Welcome to twoquestions.tv. With me today is Max Rive, and we're talking about mission-driven business. Twoquestions.tv. Brief questions, deep knowledge for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. Welcome to twoquestions.tv. I'm Susan Barancini Mo. Joining me today is Max Rive, CEO and co-founder of Wise Monkey, the world's first coffee leaf tea company and social venture. Good stuff. Hey Max, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So Max, um, Wise Monkey won a best mission-driven business next year award. Could you talk to me about why mission is so important to a business? Uh, I, I mean, for us, it was, it was just undeniable in the sense that we had the opportunity to make a big change in the industry for the better. And when we finally recognized the fact that we could kind of change the economics of coffee in a holistic way, um, not in like a temporary way or anything like that, it's a whole, it's a whole shift in the industry. Um, you know, we, we just couldn't turn down the opportunity to do that because it was just too big. And, and to be able to uh, make a real tangible impact that actually helps people on a daily basis, uh, you know, year round is, is pretty, uh, it's just a cool, you know, raison d'être, as they would say, or like reason to be. So um, for us, it, it just really motivated us. And I spent some time in Nicaragua and Costa Rica in the past and, and all over Latin America. And so kind of felt like it was a good opportunity to, to kind of give back to the cultures that have provided myself and my business partner now uh, with so many great cultural experiences. So, you know, why wouldn't we want to get out of bed and, and know that we're helping people every day is, is, you know, as much as we can grow, that's the more impact we create. So it's just a great motivator. So someone's watching this show and they haven't really thought about mission in the way that you have. So what's a great place to start if you want to start a mission driven business or if you're in business and you'd like to kind of go back and go, how do I make my business more mission driven? How do you really go back there and, and, pick up that social venture part of it. Can you? I mean, there's, there's like, there's kind of two ways to do it, I guess. I'm like, I'm spitballing here, but <laughs> I, I would say if the business that you're in, for example, if you're, I don't know, let's say you're selling fax machines, like really simple B2B stuff or not necessarily simple, but really like kind of basic, industrial b2b stuff you know you can you can build in a mission a social impact aspect by finding a particular charity that you really want to work with or an organization that's doing something that's in somehow related to your work um you know and, and you can always build in those aspects and and even like uh incentivize clients to also join and 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 give into these initiative initiatives and stuff like that that's one way to do it to kind of to kind of tack it on or, or try to build it into the program uh, later stage. Um, the other flip side is, is more what we did where we found the opportunity to begin with and it all kind of stemmed from the same idea. At the same time, you know, we could produce a great product and also have a great social impact. And so it was all really baked in together in the model. So that was, it's, it's, it's easier that way, obviously, to create the impact because as soon as you sell one thing, you're already creating the impact. <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> Bless um, you. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. 
Um, <laughs> but I would say like there's, it's it, honestly, it all comes down to passion in terms of what really drives you and, and also having a realistic eye in terms of what do you think your customers will also be passionate about? You know, it's one thing to be like, oh, well, I, I really love, um, you know, donating to this women's rights group 150%. Like, it's my number one thing. I, I want to do this every single day. And does that particular does that particular organization appeal to maybe some of your customers? Or is there a different one that might be in the same vein, that, let's say, but might be a bit more professional or have better media that you can then uh, use to also leverage for your own clients. And so there's, there's like other things, like for example, um, a, a good one is, uh, is called Project Alianza. And mm -hmm. we work with them and in, in helping them fund, we, we give them some promotion stuff um, and they, they fund schools in coffee farms in Nicaragua specifically. And what's great about them is that they're doing direct tangible impact. They're building schools, getting school materials for people, for kids. And, with that, they have media that they that we can then promote for them. So, like they send us our their photos and their videos and stuff like that, and then we can leverage it for them. And it also proves that you know we are actually doing something um, important and tangible. So there's ways to do it, where, whether it's really baked into the model in the very beginning, which is kind of like a luckier thing, or let's say like it's maybe optimal in that way. Um, at the same time, it doesn't mean that, you know, you could be selling fax machines and find a way to incorporate a, a social impact uh, component. And there's ways to do it where it's not like cheesy and where it doesn't seem like it's tacked on. There are ways to do it where it's actually really driven by that. And, and it's all it's all about the kind of the message hierarchy that you have in your marketing and also how you see it going forward and developing long term because in the short term everything looks really good and easy and you throw it in a flyer and it's all good but then how does that build over the next 10 years what's yeah. the actual end goal and is there like a metric you can attach to that so there's a lot that goes into it of course yeah of course of course well let's talk about wise monkey for a minute um and Okay, we're going into a bonus round. We're not, I'm not going to lie. We're in a bonus round, folks. It happens, all right? I go rogue. Okay, we're going to talk about Wise Monkey because, um, I, okay, first of all, I enjoy it. Second of all, I notice in, in the box, like the box has all the, like there's so much here. And I thought, okay, I read the box. I read everything. You know, I can be eating cereal. I'll read the cereal box. I don't care. But I was reading the box and then I opened it up. I thought, oh my God, I have to open up. I have to take everything out and inside the box, there's more information inside the box that I need to learn about. And so, I mean, you've really put it everywhere. So tell me more about how you came up with this concept, how you learned about coffee leaf tea. I mean, how, this is not tea, it's not coffee, it's both, what's this, tell me everything. Tell, just give us the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so essentially, um, I, I went to France for a master's and um, when I was in France, I, I was also doing a design contract for a client in Vancouver. And with the time exchange, I was up till 4 a.m. and I would, go to, I would go to bed, I'd wake up at 7 and go to school and I was doing finals at the same time as this mm -hmm. deadline for marketing. And I drank like six, seven coffees a day. I'd get a coffee and I'd put an espresso in it. And, and after a week or so of that, I basically, my body just like 
self imploded and, and yeah. it was just like the worst experience I had in so long. And it felt like I had like chemical poisoning. And essentially I went to the doctor and they're like, you had an acute overdose on caffeine, um, you know, stay away from coffee, et cetera. And I was like, wow, okay. That's kind of crazy. Cause I, I actually really like coffee, but you know, what am I supposed to do now? So, and I never found any like tea companies that I thought were really interesting. I knew that David's tea was out there, but it was still like very feminine, generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, and and very like fruity and like all, lots of ingredients and stuff mm -hmm. and and other than that i just wasn't really familiar with tea and growing up you know in north america unless you have a cultural background where your family is from asia or india or uk you may not have that tea culture built in mm -hmm. so uh, i just didn't know anything about it and then i started looking out for looking out for tea companies and i was like okay well there's really not much out there that's that interesting and then literally like three weeks later um the first class of a new of a new uh uh sorry first first day of a new class that we had in the second half of our masters um it was a global entrepreneurship class and we had to find ideas for a project so i just started going through my newsletters and and all these different websites that i that i frequent for ideas and concepts and i found a study showing the health benefits of the coffee leaf and how it's been consumed for hundreds of years uh, in different parts of the world, but it's never really been innovated at all. And it has all these great health benefits. And, and we thought that it was really interesting immediately because there's like a health component. It's been consumed for a long time, but it doesn't really exist. And, you know, and the, as we start peeling back more layers about the coffee industry and how it all operates, we recognize that the bean is only ripe to harvest for three months out of the year. And the rest of the year, about 90% of the workers are out of work. Oh. And coffee, in, like in Nicaragua, I can't remember the exact order, but coffee is either number one or number two export. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're like, mo like most Latin American countries, coffee is like one of the number two or number three uh, exports. And can you imagine your number one moneymaker be only three months a year and the rest of the year, everyone yeah. has to migrate they have to move their families, they have to move their kids, or the kids will stay there with the mom, but then they're just really out of work. And they're, so they're not like surviving that well. Mm -hmm. And the dad has to like go somewhere else and do construction somewhere or try to like go across the border in Costa Rica and then come back every few weekends. So it's like, it's incredibly disruptive. And so, yeah. um, and it's not like it's disruptive, like it was designed that way. It's just the way that the plant operates for the coffee bean. So everyone's kind of victim to this seasonal, and volatile plant where the pricing for the bean is, is changing all the time and it's controlled by the commodity ind index in New York. So yeah. for someone in Nicaragua, you know, they have no influence on what the actual price is going to be and they have no visibility on that either. So you have this like perfect storm of, of difficult snare of a uh, difficult aspect about the industry for people that have been, uh, you know, surviving for the last you know, 300 years making coffee. Now, where things got like really crazy was is we contacted the researcher who studied the, who, who created the study in the beginning and she started telling us all about these more details and everything. And eventually we started calling coffee farmers in Nicaragua and we couldn't really get a hold of many of them. Um, obviously. And also they changed their phone system. So they added a digit to every number. We didn't have any <laughs> numbers that worked. So, um, and uh, eventually we started getting in touch with a tea company down there that does herbal tea and they were interested in trying it out. So 
that's kind of where things started to get more real. And then at the end of this, at the end of the year, we're like, you know what, let's just go. Let's, I have a credit card. Like, let's just find a way to Nicaragua and we'll start knocking on doors and find some coffee farmers. We know someone who can at least like dry the leaf and put it in a tea bag for us. So we know that, you know, there's a facility there that can handle it, but we've got to go find a farmer. So yeah, that was, uh, that was July, 2013. We went down to Nicaragua we thought the trip was going to take a month to get our first sample and just like, and then take like a few days off to go surfing or something. But <laughs> it was a, it was a crazy, it was a crazy adventure, uh, uh, quite a struggle. And we came back three months later uh, wow. with our, with our first sample. And then the following year, we just did a bunch of the paperwork and, and laying the groundwork and everything. And then eventually we launched um, in, in December, 2014. Wow. Wow. What a cool story. I love it. <laughs> That's really awesome. And, and it's exciting because you are making a real difference. And when you open this box, viewers, it says you've contributed 32 minutes of job creation by purchasing this box. I think that's really cool. I think it's really great. So, all right, viewers, we're going to have this link to Wise Monkey in the show notes for today down below so that you can get your own and get 32 minutes of job creation. Awesome. Max, thanks for being on the show. Definitely. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. It's very interesting. All right, viewers, get your coffee leaf tea instead of, you know, we've talked about caffeine. You don't have to get your energy from caffeine. We've talked about this, viewers. <laughs> but if you're going to, coffee leaf tea is a great, great alternative. And maybe not so bad for someone like me who can't drink coffee or tea. All right. <laughs> Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. This has been twoquestions.tv. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, learn more about the show, the guests, and our host, Susan Barancini Mo, visit us at www.twoquestions.tv.